Hmm. All right, everybody, welcome to the um, UK Sangha every Wednesday. Um, uh, check the link in the description for the exact time. Um, okay, so me and me and Veda were just talking about uh, unpleasant sensations and sort of the the reason why uh, these unpleasant sensations are um, difficult or um, cause dukkha is um because of various causes and conditions so essentially how we're viewing uh hey robert hey guys how we're viewing and relating to um, the unpleasant cessations that um, perpetuates them and uh, causes dukkha around them so um uh, what i started doing was asking data um, without trying to get rid of or solve the unpleasant sensation, just asking him um, to describe like uh, specific attributes or qualities of said sensations. And we arrived that they are in the abdomen area and they're experienced um, uh, as the body so they're they're not they're not wishy-washy they're not expanded when we actually go with our awareness to the abdomen area and we experience the abdomen um we find that uh these sensations are a little bit more um uh localized and confined to a specific area whereas uh the unpleasant sensations when we're not aware um, viscerally of the body uh, as we breathe, these unpleasant sensations are a little bit more vague. So they're a little bit more just like um, they suffuse our almost our entire experience, our entire consciousness with um, their unpleasantness. So it's more like it's more like it's more like if you look for dukkha in that way in that regard bound to this is to the sensation it's like everywhere you look you find it but you're not aware of that you're doing this so it seems that you're everywhere you're looking you find an unpleasant sensation right so so uh <clears throat> cause of dukkha can be said to be um, dependent on the condition of how we're viewing our experience of reality. So if we view our experience of reality through the lens of um, of victimhood, really, of I am suffering, um, I am a... <laughs> <clears throat> suffering dukkha then everywhere we look right we'll find dukkha um because really there's shit on our glasses so there's dukkha on our glasses and everything's going to look like dukkha and everything's going to look like shit <laughs> so literally 
having a little wakey-wakey moment is waking up to the fact that that's going on and then seeing clearly the way things really are. And that doesn't mean now that suddenly there's no unpleasant sensations. Because our experience is a mixture of unpleasant sensations, pleasant sensations, and neutral sensations. But that just means we're actually looking at what it, the sensations for what they really are. Like, um, and there's going to be um, uh, unpleasant sensations are uh, usually fueled by uh, sankharas or residues of ignorance. So in this uh, waking up process, um, we're going to become more aware of unpleasant sensations. So it might seem like we're going backwards, right? Whereas uh, really we're waking up to the fact of the, the immediate experience of our reality. And that's not really how I see it anymore. It's more like um, those uh, waves, I'm, let, let like me those, those circles, you know what I mean? But but they're, they're, that's not the end of the story. So that's where that's where uh, noting or most of his pasana practices start. Oh, waking up to the fact of the unpleasant sensations. But what we do here is we intentionally uh, play with um, play with the thoughts and and intentionally practice the breath to. Um, directly interfere with um, unpleasant sensations and change them and uh, mess around with them and toy with them. So uh, 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 when we realize that uh, most of our unpleasant sensations are um, a reaction uh, to some sort of stimulus in the form of a thought, we can play around with um, replacing thoughts, uh, unwholesome thoughts, with um, thoughts conducive to feelings of uh, safety and security and um, relaxation and and uh, joy and, and sukha and piti. Not not just the thoughts. Can I can I stop you there at the uh, uh, one moment? So, if we demahasifying, so to speak, in this regard, is there? Do you think that it's just Westerners who experienced mostly this vipassana style are just? before this prone to do this because of cultural issues or is it because I was introduced uh, to things like the Mahasi style? Uh, yeah, what would it's you say, a, what would you guess? Yeah, most, uh, most spiritual paradigms is sort of a misinformation about how the waking up process works. So that we've been told that, oh, we just need to become aware, aware of these things, and that's it. And awareness 
is inherently free of those qualities. So you're like you are the awareness of the sensations, not the sensations. So it doesn't do anything to the actual sensations. It just focuses on, oh, remember to be aware of them, right? But this doesn't really, uh, you know, I mean, you may have uh, moments of grace, right, where you, they magically go away, but um, this is not going to um, start to change uh, the habitual tendency and start to change uh, the the very mechanism that uh, produces uh, these unpleasant sensations. So what we're doing is um, more in line with the actual teachings of the Buddha um, to <laughs> to practice anapanasati and to practice um, really the jhana. And uh, you know, there's some debate about um, whether jhana is necessary for awakening, but mm. as I and the practice of the Buddha, and as I understand the teachings of Dhammarado, is that 100% it is. So we have to come into a wholesome state. We have to come into a satisfied state. At and least first jhana. At least first jhana. Um, and, you know, there's <clears throat> there's been reports that um, people can experience. Um, again, I'm going to be talking about Nibbana a little bit differently than Dhammarado talks about Nibbana. Mm -hmm. He talks about it more as cooling off, right? It's a, a Nibbana moment. But um, there's been reports that people just needed to get into first jhana to experience Nibbana. But um, uh, uh, more frequently, fourth jhana, people experience Nibbana because you can really see things really clearly and you can start to deconstruct the mind. But without getting into all that, um, nitty gritty stuff without because the thing about the jhana is that it's always going to be a mental proliferation unless you're actually experiencing it even if you have experienced the jhana before so anything i say about the jhana if i'm not experiencing it right now in this moment is going to be a concept about the jhana and not the jhana themselves even if i've mastered them or done all of them so sometimes talking about all this stuff in the all the jhanas was kind of fruitless. But back to um, the misinformation of becoming aware is enough. No, we have to become aware so that we can change it. Um, and this is, you know, this is kind of nailed home time and time again. But but uh, uh, there's things we can do. You know, there's options here. We can. Uh, so <laughs> the primary unpleasant sensations was right smack dab in my the center of my chest. That's where all the uh, anxiety, that's where all the fear, and that's where all the dukkha generally lived. And then I, I practiced for so long before I come into Dalmarado, um, oh, just be aware of it, you know? I'm, oh, I'm aware of it, and uh, oh, try to see how it's, uh, try to see how it's uh, in awareness, and awareness, has no qualities or awareness is uh, awareness is expansive awareness is broad and it's in a bath of awareness and just be aware of it and let it let it dissolve or like let it be free or like surrender it to surrender it to the space um so like that's kind of uh that's like a that's kind of too passive for it to really work 
So what 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 actually makes these unpleasant sensations? Um, what actually liberates these unpleasant sensations and uh, creates the causes and conditions for pleasant sensations, namely Piti and Sukha to arise, is toying with our thoughts. So we can really actually think thoughts that really calm things down and <laughs> and spark joy. So have, have you guys ever seen the meme where it's like this Japanese um, woman who she comes in and she like remodels a house and she says, this does not spark joy. <laughs> this this one sparks joy. <laughs> so Robert's seen it. So there's a meme yeah, out. Like this does not spark joy. And then she's like this one, this one sparks. So we do the same thing with our thoughts, right? Does this thought spark joy? <laughs> no, it doesn't. You okay? You throw it out. This one, this thought sparks joy, and so we keep it. It's like we're remodeling the furniture of our house. Okay, we look at this drab piece of furniture, and we see, oh, this this isn't particularly useful furniture or decoration. It is not particular. This this piece of furniture or decoration is not particularly um, conducive to joy or the feeling of uh, home that I want it to be. So what am I going to do? <laughs> I'm simply going to replace it. So I'm going to get rid of it. Hey, Katal, welcome aboard. Hey. I don't know so, if you have any connection. The more people's mics on, the better. So we want to see your guys' faces. But, uh, uh, what what we're just talking about here, um, as Katal arises and passes away, is we're talking about uh, playing around with the thoughts is similar <clears throat> to <laughs> to remodeling our house furniture and decorations. So we want to uh, throw away the things or the thoughts that don't spark joy, and replace it with things that spark joy and our happiness. That's totally interesting because I talked to Damarato a couple of weeks. Uh, could be pretty, could be a month ago uh, about this from Chula Daza, who says something like being on the path. I mean, we are not talking about path and things like this, more skill development. But uh, he's talking about path, so I use this term, um, like re not remodeling a house, but completely uh, changing the entire structure of the house while you are living in the house, while you are using the house, every stone taking it out and replacing it or setting it somewhere else uh, uh, down. And Demorato said, no, it's not actually this way. It's like just cleaning the house and that's it. Right. So um, a lot of these uh, Vipassana teachings and stuff will be like, oh, we have to brute force our entire, we have to, we have to see the emptiness or we have to see the impermanence of every single sensation we ever <laughs> And we have to just instruct the everything. <clears throat> No, all we have to do is clean the, the dirt and the shit out of it. 
so we can start to see things a little more clearly for how how it already is. So we don't need to superimpose emptiness onto things because they're already empty. All we have to do is get rid of the hindrances that uh, is making uh, your life miserable. So, so this was the way you use remodeling in this simulation. Right. Uh -huh. right so similar to that um you know if there's dirt in the house uh, there's a there's a piece of furniture that's rotting it's full of termites but <laughs> you're gonna get rid of it okay that's it's like it's almost like a common sense approach to happiness it's kind of not very complicated it, it's really like I, you simply uh, develop the habit of stopping uh, thinking yourself into feeling bad and stopping thinking about stuff that makes you feel terrible. And then and then now now what you're left with is just the, the momentum and the sankara of the unpleasant sensations themselves without the fuel from the thoughts. So once you get to those and you've and you've. Uh, done everything you can to um, change the thoughts and gladden the mind and you're just left with the momentum um, of the unpleasant patients now what we can do is we can breathe into them so we can play we can toy around with these uh, clusters of sensations and we can change them by uh, taking a deeper breath namely because the sensations are hiding out in parts of the body so if we take deeper breaths, those parts of the body expand. My chest is going to expand where the anxiety, where the fear, uh, where the unpleasantness resides. And the breath is going to physically and viscerally expand those sensations. So that's a direct real life. So without trying to just sit there passively and see how they're empty we're physically seeing the emptiness of them yeah. <laughs> you see that's it's it's quite a big freaking difference i mean you could sit there for 20 years just wallowing in it <laughs> and just be like oh i it's empty it's empty i see it arising i see it passing away uh <laughs> not self or just yeah. like with the concept about it but here we're actually seeing the emptiness of the sensations because we're toying with them or expanding them and uh and uh and and another added goodie or another byproduct of doing this is literally um taking these breaths is going to um it's it's going to set the condition for like tingly good feelings to happen because um getting more oxygen into the brain, getting more oxygen into the bloodstream. Um, that's how, that's how the human, the human mechanism, the human body functions at a hundred percent capacity. So it's like putting, it's like putting, uh, the best kind of oil into your car, full synthetic instead of the crappy kind and, and, uh, replacing the oil regularly. So if you don't replace the oil in your car, it's going to get murky and it's going to get um, polluted. 
So the oh, blood, yeah. So the blood, level. yeah. And it's going to cause problems, and things are going to start to break down. I practice Tomo now for a few years, and I know exactly what you're talking about. Right. So we viscerally can remember the experience of it, and it's like, and it's not some like wishy washy. <clears throat> you have to hope is going to work. It's a direct causal relationship between this evokes that feeling. So we. That's a direct um, insight into dependent origination, as we see that how we feel about things and how, how how sensations arise is dependently originated by causes and conditions, namely how we're breathing in this case, um, along with how we do things and how we think about things. It's so amazing. the practice is multifaceted. But uh, um, yeah, back to the analogy of um, changing the oil in the car. So, so if we if we if we're not breathing uh, much air in, we're not breathing much oxygen in. The bloodstream is only going to have access to a certain amount of oxygen, and um, it's going to be the blood is going to be reusing that. Whereas if we're taking deep, uh, um, it could be short breaths, just deep breaths, you know. Or it could be long, more steady breaths, um, and you can experiment and toy around with this. But uh, this is going to recycle the contents of the blood. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, filter out old, old stuff. That's what the lungs do. They filter out um, the the oxygen that's turned into carbon dioxide. So and so, so the percentage of oxygen in your blood will rise and the percentage of carbon dioxide will decrease. Um, so we're directly filtering out our system by taking- And you're getting, and you're getting rid of uh, amazingly uh, much stuff from the body uh, to the environmental uh, air. That's also, it's the, the pathway goes both ways. Right, <clears throat> right. Um, How do you- uh... Yeah, how do you guys breathe to deal with, uh, let's say, emotions that are very unpleasant? How do you like? How do you breathe for that? Do you take long breaths into? Like, do you feel like you're visual or you're you're moving so, the breath into the feel? So I've had lots of different advice given me on to deal with that. You know, right? And probably all that advice was um, just like not very useful. So here's actually what's going to work. Um, first off, I, I need to ask you some questions <laughs> like about the sensations. Like, where are the sensations? Like in your field? A lot of, of the time, a lot of the time, it's like this, this uh, consistent heaviness in my chest that's generally evoked by um, not being mindful enough Kind of, I feel it more and more throughout the day, you know. But when I'm with it and I'm able to stay with it for a while, it's not really there. It's only when I'm not really constantly mindful that it starts to feel like holy shit, there's something really just there, you know. Yeah. So the heaviness, um, like, be more specific. Where exactly in the chest is it? Like, where? Like, it's in the. It's in the like. Uh, it's right. It's in yeah, the it's a heavy. Yeah. 
No, right. yeah, it's 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 above the diaphragm, just above just, the sternum. Just sorry, above, above the just sternum. above the uh, solar plexus, right? Like where the yeah right? yeah. So that's yeah where, yeah yeah exactly. That's where that's where the lung the lungs expand. <clears throat> if if you're taking a deeper breath, so um, if you're if you're taking deeper breaths and your chest isn't literally expanding, you're not doing it right. Your, your your breath should expand the rib cage and the diaphragm and start to stretch like physically stretch the skin and the muscles around that area because that 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 um that heaviness is a physical contraction so it's a physical tension in your chest with the muscles of uh the diaphragm so you literally take breaths and do it right now Take breaths in such a way that the muscles and skin in in that exact area stretch and start to break apart. And you should feel a physical stretch, like you're, like in, like 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 if you're stretching your arm, you should feel an actual stretch there. Well, let's hear that. Sometimes the stretch can feel like the um the chest cavity is sort of like it's almost like cracking open, like it's like yeah, it's this tight. Yeah. This tight sheet that's that's like it's it's cracking apart in a way. It's cracking apart because it's so not used to stretching out like that. So it <laughs> feels like it's cracking apart, and you're like, and the, and because normally you think like, oh, this isn't the right way to breathe. It's my chest feels like it's cracking apart, or like, oh, I need to breathe through the belly. No, it's it's bullshit. You need to breathe through the chest and expand it. That's when the lungs are fully expanded. Is when the chest stretches apart, and uh, you I'd make like it. To, um, Scott, I'd like to interrupt to add something, uh, yeah, which is that breathe de deep down into your belly and fill up that whole diaphragm until the air expands upwards into in the chest naturally. So you're not just that's breathing that's into the chest; you're breathing exactly all the way deep, and then exactly as it becomes fully full, it'll start to open up that top part of the chest cavity, and the anxieties will. That they will crack away as the the muscles sort of just expand yeah, so and crackle, crackle and. This is exactly what I'm saying not to do. Is don't breathe <clears> into <throat> the belly. That's that's a misunderstanding of how to breathe. Just breathe so the chest expands. Who cares about the belly? The chest is expanding, and that's what we're playing. We're playing around with the sensations there and the tensions there. You don't need to waste time on the belly. Just go directly to expanding the chest. Damarato Dam told me to breathe deeply into the belly and to fill up the diaphragm first, and then the chest would naturally expand after that. The, the, the problem is when you when you exclude the the uh, uh, the lower part of the of the torso, you can trigger a some sympathetic neural response so I agree with what Damarato said here through the experience of um, I forgot your name it's, it's only it only uh, oh, says live CID oh. <laughs> uh, sorry I thought name? you meant oh, my name no 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 Oh, my name? Oh, the, the, sir with, the sir with the beanie? Oh, Robert. Robert, ah, of course, Robert. Oh. Uh, that if you 
start with uh, with the lower torso up into the into the into the upper torso and you get so to speak the whole torso uh, blown up like a balloon you uh, trigger uh, not the sympathetic response but the parasympathetic uh, response so you lower your stress levels and so on and so on and so on this is also in Tomo the, the case. This is also if you know the Wim Hof, uh, Wim Hof method, uh, uh, it's a more Western approach. Um, if you if you just stay with the with the upper uh, part, it, it it depends. I mean, some people are wired different differently. This is this this is possible. No 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 problem. Uh, but from a medical standpoint, it's pretty well documented. So, I mean, you can look it up. Yes, another thing Damarato told me was that most people, when we breathe, we only breathe into about 40 to 60% of our lungs full capacity. But when we breathe into 80%, what will happen is the diaphragm will fill up first and then the chest will open up. And if we were to take it to 100%, which he doesn't recommend as it's uh, not the safest way to do it and it takes a lot of effort, then even we'll start to feel the breath and sensations of the breath in our arms and stuff. We might get tingly and lightheaded. That's if we're breathing too deep. But at 80%, we'll really start to feel that chest opening up. Here's, here's why I'm emphasizing the chest so much. Mm -hmm. is because um, many are not used to taking deep breath so the the lungs literally it's it's strenuous to take in a full deep breath that you'll be breathing through the belly and you won't get to the chest because the lungs yeah the belly and the chest is great but but um you know um the lungs aren't used to taking that much in air in the beginning so what we want to do is gradually increase like if we're working out so we want to start to, so um, we add a little weight at a time. So we want to add more oxygen. So we don't want to be breathing in a way that it's like unpleasant and like hard and difficult, but we want to just add more. And then the lungs are going to get um, more used to that and stronger. So now you can add a little bit more and a little more until you're taking to the, to the full capacity you can. But, but um, the belly will arise and fall um naturally because the 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 lungs are built in the body how the lungs are built in the body and when they fill up they're going to cause a change in the body um how they cause a change in the body so i'm i'm emphasizing the chest here because that's where the tension is mm -hmm. so so literally breathing in such a way that your chest expands yeah, yeah, the tension is just generally in the chest. Also, it's most a lot of weird, strong tension right between my eyes too. That that's the quite, that's the just crazy one. Like it's so, that's it's just such an odd thing. It's so intense right here. Do you do you get it from meditating as well? Like tension, yes, sort of yes, migrainy. <clears throat> I sometimes get that when I meditate. And when I have like a lot of effort in my meditation, like I'm really trying to stay strong and keep my mind in the first jhana. And there's feels like there's just so much I'm having to like suppress 
like I, I do I get like tension like right there as well try try unbelievable amount of tension it's it's like it's so, at some times like I'll, I'll go for a walk and I'll be like what is this thing it's like it's like a pulsating moving energy just it's just like contracting your old brain it feels like there's a hand squeezing your brain or something yeah like a pressure there I really relate to that mm. Yeah, so that's another tension, right? So we can do things to relax tensions. Um, whether it's yeah, like Camarado said kneading or something like that, and massaging and kneading. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's With literally thumbs. what I'm telling you to do right now. So like it's a sinus tension. Go like this, play around with the sign. Like I literally when mm. when some of my friends are having a headache or like a pressure, I'll literally do that thing. Where I just start to like really get into the temples and stuff like that, and like and like behind the ears, and like just play around with it, massage it, and then you'll see, oh shit, it's a one, it's whole system, and like playing around with the different pressure points will start to affect, yeah, like yeah. Right, right underneath the eyes too, like the nose bridge, and then underneath the eyes, and then right next to the eyes. Explore your body, man. It's yours to play with. But uh, I like, I like hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Really so do. the whole yeah. step in the Anapanasati is that uh, the first step is to take the breath, practice. So you're training. So you train the breath, and then you become more aware of the body as a byproduct of becoming more aware and training the breath. Um, and then the third step is to um, uh, relax the tensions or tranquilize bodily formations. Like that's the sequence of steps explicitly laid out by the Buddha himself. Um, so like doing all these things um, is for the sake of eventually it's going to um, relax uh, things to the point where you're going to experience um, sukha rather than dukkha. And when you experience sukha rather than dukkha, um, now things are um, now things are functioning um, how how they should be and how we want how we want them to be for our purposes of dukkha dukkha nirodha. Um, and then uh, you can start to play around with the levels and skills of skills of things. Um, so you can become, um, yeah, just like you're becoming a connoisseur of your own um, body and like your own and your own feelings and how to to um, tinker with things uh, to start feeling good and uh, feeling the way that you want to feel. And uh, to realize that it's a skill that you can simply develop through repetition and practice. It's not a, it's not a mercy. It's not a grace. It's not a surrender. Of, uh, <laughs> of many... I hate that word, a surrender. I have, I totally haven't resonated with that at all recently. Like the word surrender for me now, it just like conjures up feelings of like almost a form of escapism. Like I'm gonna surrender. I'm gonna give up. And it's almost a way of avoiding my issues instead of facing them and confronting them and, you know, overcoming them, you know, with courage and yeah. compassion. The, the thing the thing is that as long as there's dukkha, 
you're going to want the Duca to go away. So Duca is the problem. Um, instead of playing a spiritual game where we say Duca isn't a problem, okay, and we say that um, Duca, uh, you know, there's there's nothing to do about Duca um, when you can intentionally like. The point of dukkha is to come out of dukkha. Like, it's like a... Dukkha is a sign that um, there is practice to be done. Um, and the, 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 the motivational aspect of it, of this and the, like, and the, hopefully gladdening and hopefully joyous revelation is that there is a path that has been laid out to the end of dukkha. So there is a way out. Yes, there is dukkha. But there's simply a way out of dukkha. And that, um, it, it may take a lot of repetition and may take a lot of practice, but um, and may take some trial and error. But this is, there is the path laid out. And like, um, as long as you're experiencing dukkha, there is only one way out, and the only way out is the Dhamma. So you can postpone it as much as you like. Um, but then, you know, at a certain point, you come to the realization that what the problem actually is through wisdom, and you come to the realization um, the solution is not going to be sensual pleasures and chasing them because that's just, um, that's just perpetuating the cycle of dukkha. And you see that... Uh, um, the solution to dukkha is um, is a completely um, like independent journey that um, um, you know he abides ardent and fully aware, independent, um, secluded from central pleasures and grief and covetousness for the world. So this is the language that is um, translated by Bhikkhu Bodhi, but it's directly from the Pali Canon. It's directly from the original suttas. So it's we all know this feeling of sitting down and being done fed up with the world and solving these problems directly. So having given up the mental proliferation for um, what what we normally look for happiness in, um, we see the illusion of it and we see uh, <laughs> there's only, <laughs> yeah, that there's only one way out and uh, it comes from um, waking up to these things and changing them directly in our visceral experience. And uh, uh, then then insights, after we develop some skill and we have some success, insights about, oh, actually, these things are dependent on those things and those things are dependent on these things, um, in, our, in my experience, uh, will develop. So 
so you just become even better at changing and feeling how you want to feel so like um it's not like you get the insight now you can feel better no we we practice changing how we feel and then we develop insight that oh these things can be changed and that this aspect of my experience is dependent on this aspect of experience um so now i can see directly uh the causal nature and how and where to go and what what to remove um in order to uh change things or clear the clear the junk that uh was stopping the the river from flowing like uh like you we've all seen that scene from avatar where there's like the the chakras and it's like a it's like a, a waterfall that goes into various pools and each and with the removal of like each blockage the the water can flow to the next eddy so um that's kind of a good way to um conceptualize the jhana is that uh, with the removal of hindrances the water can flow to the next pool of first jhana and then the removal the cessation of uh of the thinking and examining thought it can go to the next jhana and then with the removal of the PT goes to the next jhana and and so on until it's removed everything every blockage and then um things flow um completely freely and uh, uh the realization that the visceral realization of uh, emptiness can can occur and uh um um, it's good. Remember that there's no hierarchy here. It's not like Nibbana is better than first jhana. It's all good. Once you get, once you get, uh, once you are free of hindrances, it's all good from there. Like you're literally having a good time from there. Like if you remove the hindrances, you everything. It's all. It's like it's good in the beginning, good in the middle, and good in the end. But you really can see um, how good can it really get, right? But uh, what you really want, if you want not in first jhana, what you really want to be doing is practicing and getting into first jhana and getting into a wholesome state, um, because that's where the fun is. Okay, that's where the party is. You're not at the party. You're, you're... <laughs> not a pity party. Not a pity PT party. party. Okay. <laughs> We're leaving the pity party. party. Going to the pity party. Yay! And I like that, Robert. <laughs> really emphasizes uh, uh, also his change in attitude. I mean, uh, if I understand cor understand that correctly, you know, finding more and more the lion in yourself and really uh, putting right effort in and right attitude and so on with the right view. And that's cool to hear. Yeah, anyone who's been around cool. long enough can see the, the dramatic <clears throat> change in Robert. And it's truly like, it's amazing, you know, like Robert, um, Robert's progression has like really come a long way. And it's like um, his maturity and his um, nuance, his insight has come a long way. And you can see you can see the direct change in uh, um, his attitude and how he feels um, more and more. And like, um, yeah, Robert used to be the king of pity parties. And like, that's what we're waking up out. Of. It's true. It's true. I love it. <laughs> 
that's why I like surrender stuff. Oh, there's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. I can just continue to be miserable and I'll surrender to their misery. And there's no shame. You just go around and around. You just go around and around. And uh, I've been in a pity party. Um, You know, that's what really what depression is, is a feeling sorry for ourselves and continuing to feel bad for ourselves and just like, like, circle jerking that into our experience like oh it's so bad and oh it's a i'm a victim and woe is me and then they're just gonna keep the bad feelings going and then we're gonna we're like uh we're like we're like we're honestly honestly become addicted to that and like like it's a weird um it's a weird craving yeah so we see that uh, that's actually not what we want to do and <laughs> we're gonna let's change things and uh wow we can really we can feel like a kid again we can feel like that joy and that like that uh feel that feeling of being alive um that thrill and that excitement and like that uh that uh reinvigoration and like and spark of of uh, fully being alive because a lot of people think that like Buddhist meditation and the practice of the Buddha is like life denying and like very like ascetic. <laughs> That's not the teaching of the Buddha. The jhana actually makes you feel vibrantly alive, fully awake, fully here, fully present to the moment. And like um, one, one of the biggest experience I've ever had of the most powerful uh, second jhana experience I've ever had was when I was actually snowboarding because I was like, I was conquering, I was waking up out of hindrances of fear and doubt by literally going up jump and landing them. And then I was like, yes, I can do this kind of feeling. That's, that's where you go from first to second is once you're developed that success, like that victory lap, that victory dance. And was- well, let me, let me, uh, uh, uh shortly uh, interlude something because I have to uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, right. what was it let me think of it I'm not that not that good with with jokes what is a Buddhist who's totally absorbed in his computer what nerdvana <laughs> <laughs> so that that doesn't happen to me I have to go now okay thank you Veda bye, bye. Veda bye. See you next time. See you next time, yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah, so, um, yeah, does anyone have anything they want to say about that? Any questions? Yeah, I was, I noticed the other day that I wasn't very mindful throughout the, when I was working, you know, when, especially when I'm working and there's so much happening. Your uh, camera on so we can see you. Oh, can you not see me? No, it's there. I can't see, but I think it's. I don't know. It might just be the connection. Uh, you see uh, me now? Uh, that's all right. Uh, oh yeah, I think it's just the connection. So go ahead. Is it really choppy? The the video is, but we can hear you. So just yeah, I know. You you uh you 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 don't have to have the video on. You you could just go ahead with your question. Okay, okay. Yeah, I noticed, um, God, I noticed the other day that 
I uh, I wasn't I was working and I wasn't so mindful. I'd say I wasn't like I was observing how how all these emotions are happening, but I wasn't actually doing anything because on top of the work, so much effort. And I noticed my mind wanted to get so lost in a pity. Like I was like, oh, I'm 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 so you know I'm feeling so bad. I can't handle this. And like all those thoughts were coming up. Yeah. And I just saw those thoughts, but I can like I just continue kind of just being more uh, equanimous with it, but also introducing because generally I didn't understand the gladdening of the mind, but I I introduced the gladdening of the mind being this relentless equanimity with, you know, with it all and just being with the suffering and looking at the suffering and finding more suffering because that yeah, was yeah. the method I was kind of using the more yeah, yeah. denoting and uh, just like uh, yeah the bland awareness but the actual gladdening is so much effort when you're in this deep like pitiful states but when you do it and you do it and you do it and you actually get out of it and you're like holy shit i can actually make myself feel the way i want right it's like such a powerful feeling there's like exactly. such a deep confidence in yourself like, you're so grounded like right within your body like you're the outside like whatever appearances is happening in the outside is like whatever's happening in the outside but it you don't you're not it's such a beautiful feeling it's such a confident feeling and you could just you could just drag that so far down the road man you could just yeah, like yeah, build yeah. it up and build it up and i'm so i'm so excited to see where this goes you know i'm so yeah. excited to see like how far this goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That that's the exact right approach. There's so much you can do with it as well. Once you have like that inner confidence and that deep like feeling of like I can do this, it's like it opens you up to so many like new ways to add in like different things in meditation. Robert, I think you broke up. Or is that my connection? Robert. I, I'm Connection is the worst here for sure. Robert, yeah, Robert I, can't see, I can't see you or see you anymore. Did, did Robert freeze for you too? Yeah, he's gone for me too. That, that, that's too bad. He was really good. He was really on to something there. <laughs> oh, he's back. Robert. Oh, you, you broke up. I got frozen mid sentence. What were you saying? Or yeah. Did you forget? Sorry, I didn't catch that. It keeps freezing. It's my internet. What, it what sucks. I was just going to say, you saying? once you have that comp, once you have that comp. Oh, no. Of like other practices. Um, and and just like it's like it's like you've got the main dish sorted you can add in the spices you can put the cherries on top in whatever order you like and create jhanas with different flavors to them and it, it becomes like this it's like it's not just like you're you're trying to do one thing now you can like have freedom to do so many different things just with right. that confidence so, so uh um so once you get that spark lit how big can you make the fire um so like once you really feeling that I can do this, like um, it's like you feel like you're king of the world, like you're you're on top of the world, like you're literally like it's almost funny because you
you, you're like you're you're like winning the game in a sense. So you're, you're like winning you're, the game of life. Yeah, you're winning the game of life. Uh because this is the only game. <laughs> like everyone like uh anyone else who's doing stuff and still miserable, like they're not winning. Okay. So this is like winning like Charlie Sheen, okay? So it's like you're winning. Hashtag winning. Um <laughs> and it's like it's like uh it's like so empowering so it's like you become like the emperor of the the entire universe and like you can experience because um uh these these higher uh more advanced states you won't have access to if you see yourself as like a beginner meditator you see yourself as like not the buddha or like not you like if you don't see yourself as it, like I'm gonna be the one to do this and I'm doing it, you're not gonna be able to experience like boundless consciousness, all these types of becoming one with everything. That's just a rung on the ladder, okay? <laughs> this is where the other traditions, the Hindu traditions stop. They stop at becoming one and with everything. But uh, uh, becoming one with everything is a good experience to have because you're really, uh, wake up to your experience and integrate it. But there's just one, there's more, there's more to go because um, you're still fabricating a self. So like all of this um, rungs on the ladder is, is a rung. So it's like every, every feeling of I can do this and stuff, it's like a necessary step. And it's like, it's actually a really fun step and like enjoy it while it's there. Uh, but realize that there's something beyond it too. So um, enjoy it, enjoy the success while it's there, but realize that uh, there's a state further beyond this even. Because um, in the MN 111 Sutta that details all the jhana, it says that at the end of each paragraph until Nibbana. So at the, at the first jhana, he, Sariputta realizes there's something further beyond this. And then until all the way, it says that each jhana, even the boundless consciousness, even neither perception nor non-perception, these really refined advanced states, all the way till Nibbana, and then at Nibbana, then this is there is nothing further beyond this. This is it. So it's kind of like um, you're in the dark. Um, Damarado said this to me one time. It's kind of like if you're in the dark tunnel, like, and you start to see the light. You see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's like going into the first jhana. But you're not going to sit there and just look at the light from afar. You're going to start walking towards it. And then you you keep walking towards the light. And then things evolve and develop. And uh, you experience the processes of the jhana. And you experience the nuance of, nuances of the mind and the, and, the, uh, yeah. and the dependent origination of things. Until the point where you go into the light completely. Like, go to the light. Like... <laughs> Like that's Nibbana. Like, so it's, yeah, go for it. Yeah, I feel like the walking to the light analogy kind of thing is very, uh, it's like um, if you're really trapped in your human unworthiness, you'd be like, I can't do that. I cannot walk to yeah, the yeah. light, you know, that's way far away from me. Like I'll, I'll settle here. This is good enough. Like you have all of these unworthy, contributing self group. Yeah. Yeah, 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 basically like, like that. Like kind of people think like the Buddha, 
is some sort of guy, you know, you bow to the Buddha and he's this god, okay? <laughs> it's like unattainable. Yeah. Dude, they, dudes, they fucking deify this dude. It's just a regular dude who became awakened and you can do it too. So like people, like they create whole religions, they create all these rituals of like, oh, how dare you uh, disrespect the Buddha? You can, you can only an ordained monk can talk about the Buddha Dhamma and uh, attain anything. You can't attain anything. It, like, how dare you? Like, this is, this is my, uh, <laughs> this my is my concept. So yeah, this, this, here, you know, my concept is up on a pedestal of who the Buddha is. My yeah, Buddha yeah. is on a, st a golden statue. Do not even come close to my Buddha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? like, like my idea of the Buddha, and they're just circle jerking a mental concept, right? So in, instead of actually doing it, so they're going to study and be a scholar without actually becoming a Buddha. When I'd rather actually become a Buddha, like I don't really care about the, the <laughs> packaging or like the rituals. <laughs> yeah. you you unwrap the gift and then you throw the packaging away you don't keep the fucking box yeah yeah so, so yeah <laughs> the ornate box the the realization that none of these rules of society even buddhist society is applies to this pro, applies to this process and this enlightenment and uh um what was it gonna say yeah so so the the light at the end of the tunnel um, analogy and the, oh yeah, the, the common belief that um, maybe in another lifetime I'd become enlightened or maybe, maybe I'll become a Sotapan and, and then I'll get into a heaven realm or something like I'll take, maybe, I'll take Bodhisattva vows, but I won't do the work to become a Buddha, you know, I'll do, I'll take vows to be a Bodhisattva and the yeah, next but, life, but I'll never actually believe i can be a buddha you know it's so strange yeah yeah that's Very another strange. one oh. and you like, see how it's really just it's just mental like proliferate like it's just it's just like getting around feelings they don't want to feel like it's very simple in a way like it's just like the same old shit basically you've been doing your whole yeah, life but you're now like buddhist it's sort of like a cope I can't escape my suffering. I can't, yeah. rather, I can't bring an end to my suffering. So I'll find a meaning in the suffering that will make it worthwhile. But it's a coping mechanism that's because like you're still suffering. All Christians do that. They're like, oh, like, they're like, oh, I must suffer. I'm not worthy. Okay. Uh, Jesus died for my sins <laughs> because, oh, he saved me. Thank you, Jesus. You saved me. <laughs> like, like, freaking, it's like, as a loser, it's, it's honestly such a, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's the mentality. It's like, it's a losing mentality. And uh, you so you're going to make your bed and you're going to sleep in it. So if that's how you view things, you're going to experience, you're going to feel like a loser. If you view yourself, if you view yourself as a loser, you're going to feel like a loser. And I don't like feeling like a loser. I don't know. <laughs> like, do you guys like feeling like, a, I don't like it. I'd rather be a champion. So like, that's why the, the the lion animal is used as a symbol for this thing too, because it's like being a lion. Okay, it's king of the jungle. It's being a champion. Um, it feels like that, and that's how it should. And that's the it's, feeling yeah. that we're evoking, and uh, it's coming really in. Simple. Simple. Yeah, it's like you, you know, if you, you know, like circus. Uh, you know, like elephants in the circus or something. Like elephant is like king. 
the elephant is like, whoa, this is yeah, this yeah, is yeah. such a majestic. And unlike an elephant in a circus, chained up its whole life, right? And it's it's basically conditioned in such a way to believe everything around it owns it. And then it's like, okay, and now it's an adult elephant. It's this huge elephant in chains, but the chains are taken off one day. But the elephant still sits around because in right. its mind, it's like it's it believes it, it doesn't understand that it can just get up and do whatever it wants. Like yeah. any moment, you literally have a choice moment to moment, every moment to do whatever you want. It's just that you don't feel you can do it. But if you just realize, wait, you can do it and just do it anyway. Oh, wait, yeah. you can do it. And then the, comp the real genuine confidence that isn't constructed from fear, the actual inner confidence that's inherent, that's what you really are, that real deep confidence just happens, emerges. It like explodes away all the bullshit conditioning because you could just do whatever you want, man, <laughs> in any moment of your life. It's crazy. Yeah. It's so funny no, when you actually see cool, it man. as a reality. I'm glad you brought that up, the elephant analogy. The Okay, so like these baby elephants are tied. Um, they have like a some sort of fence or like they're tied by a little rope. And so they can't move past a certain point. And then once they grow up into a giant elephant, so once they, that's like when we're children, we're put on all these rules and we're bound by all these psychological prisons. And so we're, we're, we become a loser and a victim in our own minds. And then when we grow up, we don't realize that we're a big adult now and we can change how we feel about things. So like the elephant grows up, it can just rip that rope right off, but it doesn't know it can because it's used to the conditions of when it was a child. Um, so that's like, coming into spiritual adulthood really what it means is to wake yeah. up to the fact that we can rip the rope off and be free and uh um the only thing i would um change is the uh getting rid of a true nature view so the idea of our true nature view rather view it as um things are dependently originated so um even uh, nibbana and even awakening and buddhahood is dependent upon causes and conditions so everything is inherently dependent uh due to causes and conditions and there's no true nature behind it so there's no there's no ground of being and there's no true nature it's just if we change with the cessation of this comes the cessation of this so the only thing we're teaching here is dukkha Do so which with the, same, with the cessation of these causes and conditions comes the cessation, uh, see, see. cessation of the effect. So what we're doing is Dukkha, Dukkha, yeah. Naroda. With the cessation of this comes the cessation of Dukkha. And that's not a true nature. That's just a, that's just a byproduct of um, the different causes and conditions and, and the insight developed of how it all works and how it all functions. So we're we're intent we're waking up intentionally and developing insight of how it's how things are interrelated and how the mechanisms of them work. And through that, um, we free ourselves from the illusion of it. But it's no there's no self to be free itself. So there's like no true self to arrive at. It's like uh it's 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 the recognition that uh, there isn't that that the experience of the self is sort of like an impermanent changing phenomena, 
that is a byproduct of uh, um, circumstances. So um, toying around and playing with the circumstances and following the path of the Dhamma um, just leads you to knowledge and visions of things uh, as they are. So rather um, true nature of self, um, which is a which is a good um, stepping stone, I feel like, to the true Dhamma. But from my t from my new Theravada perspective, I try to avoid. So I came from like self realization, like Advaita school, um, and I found that the the view of true self is um, it's actually uh, it may seem good, but it's I don't think it's uh, as advanced and nuanced of a view as it could be so seeing things more as dependently originated and uh things do uh, caused by causes and conditions so dukkha sense of self all that um is a more um, scientific approach than my true nature is um buddha or my true nature is um liberated or free um because uh then that kind of creates a subtle clinging. It creates a subtle clinging <laughs> uh, to a ground and to a self that is liberated. And uh, it, it creates the mental echo and mental image of that, which that is to be, um, that is to be like uh, um, seen as uh, not the ultimate. So, um, the experience of Nibbana is a subtractive process. It's literally subtracting everything away. So it's not arriving at a true self per se, but it's just subtracting um, any idea of self or independent. Um, um, like there, there's no like um, there's no soul or there's no. There's no person, even true self person, so even uh, glorified person, even um, infinite person, to link experiences together. Really, all there is is just experiences and phenomena happening. And uh, um, realizing that a specific uh, phenomena, namely dukkha, is the only problem. So uh, learning how to play with the phenomena to eliminate dukkha is the only thing that we need to worry about. And then from then, like, it doesn't matter if it's a true self or not. Um, uh, but, uh, I like not to like be like overly critical about the true self, um, way of looking at things, but I'm, I'm just, I'm just saying from my own experience, um, getting rid of that concept has been, uh, extremely beneficial for me um, in terms of uh, um, the end of dukkha. So I don't have any concept of being a true self aside from the fact that on the way up to Nibbana, um, the, the, the conviction and the realization that I can do this and I can be my own Buddha and I can be the Buddha. So that's kind of different like that 
I I can do this. That like I am doing it and I can do it is a little bit different to, oh, I'm realizing my true nature. It's it's like a direct product of of uh, changing um, our experience. Of, <laughs> so it's like it's like, but it's only an intermediary step. E- even that is a fabrication. Like even the, the sense of self that is doing it is a fabrication. Um, but it's like a yeah. necessary, it's a necessary fabrication and it's a very enjoyable one. Um, it's like a tool, it's a toy, it's a toy that we're playing with. So all of these things are toys and all of these things can de- be examined. Even the true self can be examined, looked at, deconstructed. There's nothing that is like that. That's the teaching of empty. There's there's nothing that can't be examined and deconstructed and looked and seen clearly. Yeah, I think I trust very much in just practicing and seeing it inside for myself, you know, in these things and then whatever concepts I have to get me to the inside will probably just dissolve, I would imagine. That's how it's been working out so far. Or my misunderstandings or the confusion, just you see things in such a way that they just die very quickly, you know, like you see, ah, this is not correct, this is not right, and it just just kind of plops out, you know? Exactly. No, perfect. Yeah, like the true self uh, teaching is a necessary it's almost a necessary step it's like almost um it is needed in the sense that um it is that uh i can do this it's the, it's actually true self is the transition from first john to the second john that's a oh true self and then from then on it becomes more no self and more no self so true self yeah. is like i am free like i am liberated i am I am that. I am that. That feels good, right? It feels good to be that. Like it feels good. Um, Nisargata Maharaj, where it feels good to Papaji. Like you are the consciousness that pervades all experience. <laughs> that feels good. Like I am the one doing it and I can be free and I am free. That's the transition from uh, first jhana to second jhana. And then from then on, uh, that those. Uh, those uh, like that starts to even that starts to the idea that I am that starts to fall away and then you start to experience that without the I am yes and that's that's exactly it because <laughs> I think that I really feel I know that from from that it's just it's kind of a just an experience that doesn't seem to have I I to it to say I am this I am this it's not you can't point to it or you can't say it's something separate I think it's an experience which you are and once you are there's no real things to say left or there's no I to say to claim it as personal to self or something to name it as something personal so to realize that, that I have the experience I am is a function of experience rather than an intrinsic quality of reality so it's not a ground of reality like i am like that's what hindu will teach you is that i am is the ground 
Whereas, no, that's just a, a aspect of reality that arises and passes away. It's impermanent, you know? So even clinging onto that, will, what does that do? It will cause dukkha. Clinging onto the I am will cause dukkha. And, uh, you know, a lot of... <laughs> A lot of spiritual traditions don't want to hear that, but um, I go around to these non-dual circles and I look around and I see, are these people awoken? No, they're not. They're like, they're just <laughs> attaching and they're circle jerking onto the concept. I am, I am, I am, I am. Well, whatever, you know, <laughs> I rather, <laughs> I rather just like deconstruct things completely and just, um, you know, arrive at the true Dhamma of the buddha yes. it's, more, it's more excellent okay i'm better spiritual you know i've never lost a spiritual pissing contest on the internet i'm the undefeated <laughs> <laughs> yeah right. i see you wrote that yeah yeah that's a running have in the sangha um, but yeah if, unless anyone has anything else to uh they want to bring up i think that's a good note to end it on it was uh, beautiful talking to everyone, and I think it was a really good song to call, really fun. I really enjoyed hearing what uh, Robert had to say and what you had to say, Dal. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, till next time, everyone. It's been banging, banging yeah. conversation. Bang. Cheers, boys. Banging Dhamma, fresh out the Sadhu, oven. sadhu, sadhu. Yeah. Fresh out. Dhamma's right. a mash. Later. In a bit. <laughs>